Welcome to the Salem Fields Community Church Podcast of the Weekly Message. We hope that you find this podcast personally helpful, and we also encourage you to share the subscription link found at salemfields.com podcast with your friends that might be able to use some practical advice and encouragement. There was this guy, and he was feeling ill. He was sick. He went to the doctor. The doctor did some tests, and he says, I've got some bad news for you. You only have 18 hours to live. and the guy was devastated so he went home he talked to his wife they cried together they prayed together and about three hours into it he said to her he said you know i only have 15 more hours to live so honey what are you laughing about (laughs) so honey would you mind if we could just be together and and she said, oh, honey, my gosh, of course, let's be together. And so they were intimate. What do you mean by being together? They were intimate. Oh, okay. And, and they were together. And it was good. If you don't know what this is by now, young man. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things you can do together. That's true. We're still learning. But, so so they, it was good. So uh, a couple hours later, the, he, the man says, oh, I've only got eight hours to live. Poor guy. <laughs> it's sad. Honey, do you mind if, if we could one more time just be together? And, and she said, sure, I'd love to. Well, they were together and they felt close and it was wonderful. It was bedtime. They kissed goodnight. They went to bed and he couldn't sleep. And it's, it's like three hours left of his life. And he reaches over and he taps her on the shoulder and he says, he says, honey, I've got three hours to live. And before he could finish, she said, there ain't going to be a third time because I have to get up in the morning and you don't. (laughs) So that's that. Well, you don't have to go very far in the Bible before you bump into this topic of sex and sexuality. You read through Genesis 1 and you read how God created everything and then you get to Genesis 2, the second chapter of the Bible, and he begins to talk about this topic. He says, then God made a woman and he brought her to the man and Adam said, yep, you did it, God. This is it. This is it. You really did it. And, and Adam said that. And then the man and his wife were both naked, and, but neither was embarrassed or ashamed. Now, here we have God's original plan, his original design. We've got a man, we've got a woman, we've got freedom, we've got no barriers, no guilt, no shame. Now, this was pre-fall. This was before they sinned. And when in those moments, however long that was, God, they were in a right relationship individually with God. Adam was in a right relationship with God. Eve was in a right relationship with God, which made that possible for them to be in a right relationship with each other. Now, very few people today, especially parents, know how to speak about God's original design of sexuality. Yet we live in a sexually explicit culture. You know that, right? I had my grandkids last night. You turn on the TV and even the commercials. It's like, okay, well, let's turn that off. We live in, we are bombarded with the world's view and definition of what sexuality and sex is. 
And sadly, many of us don't even know how to talk about God's design. That's why it's so important for us to get clear and to understand because the world is making the definitions for us. And it's devouring our young. You realize that, right? It probably devoured many of us. So we need to get clear on it. Why did God create sex anyway? I want to give you three things that I want you to remember and really brew on this and allow God to speak to you about this. First of all, he, he created it to promote unity between a husband and a wife. Now, if there's anything that's difficult for us is to be in unity. It's tough. We've got our differences. And Buddy will talk to you about that. But to promote unity. See, when a man and a woman come together in holy matrimony, when we come together and we have a pastor there and we speak those vows, something mystical and magical happens. The Holy Spirit infuses that couple with his power and his spirit available for that husband and wife to, to live in unity. Now, Buddy and I, we are as opposite as anybody could ever possibly be. And when it gets right down to the bottom line, the only thing that connects us when everything else seems out of whack is the Holy Spirit. That's what's kept, kept us connected because I have a relationship with God. He has a relationship with God. And God has done something in us where we have the Holy Spirit in common and that's what we have to give the praise and the honor and the glory to for, for us making it. Our commitment to him and to each other. And then he does, he is the glue. He is the unseen spiritual common bond that both need to make that relationship work. Five times in the Bible it says, and they will become one flesh. Now, we don't get that. We don't understand. It's not just a physical connection. There is a spiritual connection that has to happen in that relationship for that relationship to work. So one of the ways that God designed for us was, is that sexual relationship, and that only happens through the Holy Spirit. See, yes, sex is to be the physical expression of that spiritual truth. That's why when we get... When we enter into premarital sex, all we're dealing with is the physical. God can't bless what is outside of his design. And so we begin to mess that all up. That means that God has to, somewhere along the line, redeem us. And that means we have to learn to know what the truth really is. Secondly, the reason God designed sex was just for husbands and wives to have some enjoyment. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> to have some fun. It's just mutual fun. Well, that fires me up. <laughs> well, of course it does. God is not... <laughs> See, this is what I have to endure the whole time. God is not a killjoy. So many people think that he's got all these rules and regulations and he's going to take away all our fun. No, God was the creator of fun. He is not a killjoy. He just simply says the best way that you're going to have fun and enjoyment with as a husband and wife is to do it according to the, the design that I've given you. And I've written it right down. I've got it right there for you. And that's why we talk about it here today. Some people have said to me, boy, that must be a tough, a tough message to give. Absolutely not for me. I love talking about God's design. I love telling what his word is because I found in my own life after walking with him for about 35 years that it really does work. And it brings you fully alive. Well, the third reason that God designed the beautiful gift of sex was to produce children. 
he, the first command that God gave, ever gave to human beings, to Adam and Eve, was be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. After all, if it hadn't been for sex, none of us would be here, right? Right. It, 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 it's a beautiful gift that God gave. So God's design is for all three of these to be alive, all three of these the spiritual component, the unity that we find through the Holy Spirit, the fun that we have, and to replenish the earth, the, the, uh, earth and to be alive and well and balanced. But you know what? Sadly for couples, this is a source of contention. You know, of the big five things, next week we're going to talk about conflict in relationships. And, and if I ask you, you would name the big five that couples just fight about over and over and over again, and this is one of the big five. Couples argue about sex, and it's all because we don't understand it. See, God designed us in three dimensions. He de designed us as spiritual beings. That means that we can communicate with God. We are spiritual beings. He, he designed us as emotion, emotional beings. That means that we have the ability to have relationships with each other and he designed us as a physical being which means that he gave us the ability to experience our five senses to see feel hear taste and touch so we are spiritual we are emotional and we are physical what a beautiful thing that he did for us and sex as God intended has all three of those dimensions. In 1 Corinthians, it says, there's more to, to sex than mere skin on skin. Now, our world tells us, and everything that we're bombarded with, is it's the more skin that you can see, the more skin that you can feel, that's where it's at. But the Bible clearly said, is, there's more to it than that. Yeah, that's part of it, but there's more to it. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. It's written in Scripture that the two will become one. That doesn't happen simply physically. For a couple, for God to bless, they become one in a mystical way. And that's spiritually, a spiritual mystery with God at the center of that relationship. So if we want to stop fighting about sex, if you really want to stop fighting about sex, Buddy's going to give you a couple of assignments at the very end, and it really will begin to dissipate some problems that you have. If we, we, we can stop fighting about sex and we can find the fulfillment that God intended for all of us, the good gift that he's given. So here's, here's our assignment. Let's look at some healthy attitudes. The first thing we need to do is develop a healthy attitude about sex. See, every single one of us learned about it somehow. And most likely we learned about it with a lot of distortions mixed in with it. So uh, we walked into our grandson's dorm room at VCU, and there was a bulletin board there. And I went over and looked at the bulletin board, took a picture of it, and it said, our most important, remember, students, our most important sex organ is what? The brain. How we think, the attitudes that we have, how we think about it makes the difference. Our problems with sex come from wrong attitudes. It comes from learning some things that were not accurate. They were not truth. Feelings and the way that we think will direct our behaviors and our actions. In other words, if you look at somebody and you see them uh, maybe promiscuous or you see them uh, with bad behavior, really that's only a clue 
to how that person is thinking and feeling. See, if we have unhealthy attitudes about sex, we're going to have an unfulfilling, out-of-balance relationship that won't last. It just won't. And we'll go from multiple to multiple people in our lives and we'll never find the fulfillment. So what, what we need to do is check our minds. What did we learn? What are we pulling from the past that was inaccurate that we're actually operating, still operating off of today? See, we pick up unhealthy attitudes everywhere. Our children, your children are picking up unhealthy attitudes every day. What you want to do is develop that relationship early on so that they'll come to you and you enter into conversation about being able to talk to them appropriately about, about the whole topic. We learn unhealthy attitudes from our best friend, from the media, from the newspaper, news magazine racks, from television, from movies. We are bombarded with it. We learn it from our parents. So what did you learn as a child that you might be still operating off of today? We have to surrender that. And we have to deconstruct that and pull that apart and talk about that. And we have to commit to dig out any distortions so that we can get a healthier attitude about sex. Well, how do I develop a healthy attitude about sex? First of all, discover what the truth is. That's why we're talking about it here. Discover what the truth is and accept what God really says. Because he says, if you know the truth, then it's the truth that's going to set you free. So that means we have to figure out these things that we're believing that are not true. If you want freedom and fulfillment in your sexual relationship, it'll be based on what God says, not what our culture says. And we have to be very intentional about that. Here's the first healthy attitude. First of all, sex is a gift from God. No matter what you've heard, no matter what you've thought, God designed it. He was the one that created it. He's got a purpose behind it. I just gave you three reasons of what the, or three purposes of what, why he created it. He was the original creator. It's just that we as humans take those good gifts and we distort them and we're weak and we fall to them. But sex is a good gift. The Bible says everything that God's given and made is good. In first Timothy, it says for everything that God created is good and nothing is to be rejected. All is to be received with a prayer of thanks. Now, how many of you have actually said, dear God, thank you for the gift of sex? <laughs> we don't do that, do we? It just shows that we've missed it. We've missed it because we've bought into a pack of lies from our culture because it's so, we get lazy and it's so easy just to let that stuff filter in our heads, but we've got to question it. See, that includes his gift of sex. It's part of who God made us to be. It does not define your identity. He made us first to be a human being, First to be a person. And then he decided if we'd be a man or if we'd be a woman. And then he said, go for it. I've created you. Now you have free will in terms of how you want to use that. See, it's part of who we are. It's not sinful. It's not dirty. The Bible says that sex is very good. It's God's idea. So what's bad about sex? Mm. I can't think of anything. <laughs> nothing nothing is it's just that we humans distort what God's original 
intention was. The evil one perverts God's good, good gifts. And then we fall for it because we're so weak. And we can be manipulated so easily because we don't have the strength of God. We haven't put on the armor of God every morning. And, and that's why we need a relationship with him for, st- for strength to experience his good gifts the way that he te- intended without guilt, without shame, in the freedom that he designed. Another healthy attitude. Lovemaking within the husband-wife marriage bond is a sacred activity. It's holy. Sex has profound spiritual implications. That's why the Bible says it's reserved for marriage. Because God will only bless that sacred, holy place within his design. The Bible says, honor marriage and guard the sacredness and guard the sexual intimacy between husband and wife. God clearly says that it's a sacred activity connecting at a much deeper level, not just physically, but it connects our spirits. How many of us have been intentional about this marriage relationship to connect in our spirit? There was a national survey in Red Book magazine, and they discovered that the, the most sexually fulfilled women were the most spiritually fulfilled women. In other words, sexuality and spirituality go hand in hand. They go together. Problem is, and especially in the church, we've promoted it secretly. We don't know how to talk about it. We've promoted it negatively. We've told our kids, no, no, no. That's what I was taught. No, 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 don't do it. And then you have a 30-minute ceremony, and then yes, 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 it's okay. What? (laughs) That is just totally confusing. I don't get it. It's all wrong and all bad, and then all of a sudden it's all good? No. No, we've, that, that's, it, it's not what we're to teach our kids. Parents, don't send the message to your kids that sex is bad or don't do it. Teach your children that following God's design will get you the best. So if we follow his design, that means we wait. And we look at that marriage That marriage relationship is a rite of passage into a place that we gain God's best and we gain his favor. There's a big difference between the two. No insinuates bad, wrong, evil. That's not God's truth. It's follow God. Check out his timing. Check out his design. You won't be sorry. Another healthy attitude is God wants husbands and wives to enjoy each other's bodies. We, We make that kind of secret, but this is God's design. The verse literally means be intoxicated. You don't need alcohol. Be intoxicated with one another. Be captivated. Be ravished. One translation says, let her steal away your senses. (laughs) God's idea for sex is to be fulfilling and fantastic. He says, come on, guys, have fun. Do it my way and you're going to have a blast. It's going to be wonderful. Another healthy attitude is when a husband and wife have sex God's way, it'll actually bring God glory. Now, I had a couple uh, right before I came in here in the last service, and he said, well, we're going home to bring God some glory. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was the guy that said that to me. (laughs) Sex actually glorifies God when it's lived the way that he originally designed it. Between a man and a woman, within the bonds of marriage, 1 Corinthians says, use every part of your body to glorify God. See, God didn't make some parts of your body good and some parts of your body bad. A study shows that 40% of Christian women said their biggest problem was inhibitions about their own body. You're probably thinking about your fat or how you've been shaped. You know what, ladies? That's really a sin because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at our heart. And when we degrade what God has given us, we're not where he wants us to be. Same with you men. Same with all of us. And we tend to do that, don't we? Because we compare and we look around and we let the culture define what we're supposed to look at. But yet God says, I made your body for good. I made your body for good. Use every part to glorify God. Now, what does that mean? I'm going to leave it to your imagination. You've got to figure that out. It's just simply what God said. And I think God designed this for us not to really get it so that we keep practicing and keep talking and keep working on it as as long as we're married. You see, if we could only live by God's design of sex, many of our problems in marriage would begin to dissipate. So here's what we have to do. We have to surrender some of that ingrained thinking, that stinking thinking, and begin to develop these healthier attitudes that are based on the truth of God's word. But he's going to talk to you about a couple more ways to find sexual fulfillment God's way. Well, you know, talking about this attitude and how good that is, you know, I learned my attitude. Uh, I learned about sex when I was six years old in a barn. And, uh, and then uh, I had, uh, grew up in a little town called Kieseltown. I talked to you about that. And they had all these farmers and all these older guys. And they educated me. They told me exactly what a woman wants and what they needed and you know, and, uh, and then you add the magazines and you add that. And I had such an unhealthy view of sex. You, you can't imagine the junk that I brought into my marriage uh, because I had the wrong attitude about sex that I learned at an early age. And that's why, you know, I wish so much that, uh, that I had a church that would have taught my parents how to talk to me about sex so that I could have had a healthier attitude about it because it's caused the attitude that I had about sex caused a lot of harm uh, to the people I love most. And so, um, you know, I, I think we could probably, I'm not going to, but we could probably just end there uh, because this whole attitude that we have about sex, that we've learned about sex, um, is uh, very, very important. And that's why it's so important uh, that uh, we learn uh, what God's design is for fulfilling sexual relationship with our spouse. But I'm going to talk to you about your feelings. Now, just think about that, buddy, talking to you about your feelings, Paul. Would you tell me how you feel? Anyway. <laughs> You know, great sex comes from great communication. You know, you, you talk honestly and open with each other. The big problem is that uh, many of us have never really learned to talk to our spouses, much less talk to our spouses about sex. Uh, probably just a handful of us have ever had a conversation in our, um, in our marriages about sex. Therefore, there's a lot of stuff that's important that we never talk about. This is why sex before marriage derails a great, uh, great marital relationship. You see, pre, premarital sex creates bedmates before we become soulmates. It creates bedmates before we become 
soulmates. Uh, you see, the physical connection comes before the spiritual connection. And it's impossible for the spiritual connection to happen in a relationship that's operating outside of God's design for marriage. There is no way that God can honor our relationship if we're operating outside of God's design uh, for relationships. You see, couples that live together, have a physical relationship before marriage. And I've had so many of them say, uh, even in premarital counseling, we're so close. But really, the reality is you're probably close, but it's only in a physical way. It's not that you're close in a spiritual way. And, 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 and you see, you can't have spiritual connection apart from, or spiritual unity apart from God's design for sex the way that he created us for. You see, communication and God's design are necessary to make a long-term relationship work. Now, while it appears that sex binds the relationship, you know, and, and that's the danger of it outside of marriage because we get this false sense that somehow that we have this great sexual relationship and we have great sex together and somehow that has bonded us, that has bind us together. But anytime something major comes along and there's stress that appears, then the other parts of the relationship uh, cracks, that bond cracks under stress uh, if the other parts of the relationship are not present. Now, there are couples here today who have been married 10, 15, 20, 25 years, gay now 38, be 39 in March. And, and, and many people still don't know each other because we've, not, we've never learned to communicate our feelings and we've never really learned to communicate our needs. Proverbs 24 verse 26 says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. You see, when you tell the truth to your husband or your wife, it's a sign that you really love them. And too often, particularly in this area of sex, we play games with each other. And we beat around the bush and we're vague and we tease each other with what we really want and mean. And we don't really ever come right out and say straightforward, this is what I need. This is what I mean. This is how I feel about our sexual life. This is about how I feel about what we do. And uh, we never really talk about that. Communicating well means being specific uh, when you talk, especially in the area of sexual relationships, which we hardly ever talk about. Never assume anything. But we need to learn to speak specifically. Uh, Proverbs thirteen seventeen says, Reliable communication permits progress. Now, there's no real intimacy without real communication. There's no real intimacy in your relationship if you're not having an honest relationship or honest communication with each other. Now, in that communication, we don't blame each other. We don't blame the other person because blaming is a, is a waste of time. Rather, we want to encourage one another. When we're talking and we're having that conversation, it's not to tear down that person or you've did this to me, or you've done that to me, but it's really so that we can encourage one another. The Bible says encourage one another and build each other up. How many times do we get in a conversation with our spouse that we're not tearing down, that we're not blaming, that we're not denying, and the Bible says that we need to build each other up, that we need to encourage one another. And when we have open and honest communication with one another, we're not tearing one another down, but we're encouraging each other and we're building uh, one another up as the Bible teaches us. You know, it seems like that everybody else in the whole world is talking about sex except married couples. Now, the Bible or the there's been studies that say that the average couple talk to each other face to face, eyeball to eyeball, four minutes a day. Four minutes a day. 
You know, Gay and I just went on the on the on the a marriage retreat for pastors, and we had there was three other couples, so it was four of us plus our facilitator and the host couple that were at this retreat. And and I I tell you, Gay and I spent more time talking to each other face to face about things that we have never talked about. Uh, and I, I'm telling you, just to, if we didn't, if any nothing else happened there, which a lot happened there that was really really good, and and the and the issue that of just talking to each other, being honest with each other, how just how that opened up our relationship. You see, there's not much depth if we don't talk face-to-face. And so if you're going to experience what God wants you to experience, you have to develop a healthy attitude about uh, discussing your feelings and needs. Secondly, or thirdly, determine what's best for both of you. You see, sex was not created to be a solo performance. Sex involves two people, and that means you have to make adjustments. Uh, when it comes to uh, sex, because you have to adjust for each other's needs and wants and desires and the things that that uh, that we don't like about it and what we do like about it. And, you know, if I, I, I'm going to share something uh, with you that will really blow you blow you away. This is going this is going to say, man, this guy has been with the Lord. Are you ready for it? Men and women are different. <laughs> Did y'all know that? <laughs> So that requires adjustment. You see, men and women are not alike. You know, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I've discovered this. Women are much better than men at being women. And men are much better than women at being men. You see, we're not alike. God made us different so we could complement each other. And I, and I see it so many times when people come to see me, especially in premarital counseling, we don't understand uh, because I don't do much marital counseling. I'd have you so messed up. You, you say, oh. <laughs> you say, oh, this guy will stick to something else. Go do something. Anyway, we don't need to go there. But what, you know what we got to learn to understand is God put us together. We're different not to fight, but to complement each other. And what we do so many times in a marriage relationship, we fight with each other. We make it a competition, and we fight with each other, and we never win. The husband doesn't win, or the spouse doesn't win. And we have to learn that we put God put us with our spouse, the person that gets on our nerves the more than anybody in the whole world gets on our nerves, so that God complete, could complete the work in us that he wants to complete in us that he can't complete in any other relationship except the marriage relationship. Did all that make sense? Whew, thank you, Lord. But what we do with those differences is we fight about them rather than coming together. Because, you know, when you got uh, two te- if, if in a football team, if both sides were playing offense, no one would win. And so you have to learn to work together, that, that both of you uh, make a team and learn. We need to learn to complement each other instead of tearing one another down. And that's why we, God put us together with the, the opposites. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5, the Bible says the marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Now marriage, the Bible says, and this is key, is not a place to stand up for your rights. But marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out of bed. Now, when you married your partner, here's what you got to know. You gave your spouse rights to your body. If you don't like that, you shouldn't have gotten married. 
But now that you're married, you got to deal with that. You see, because that's what marriage is all about. You give yourself to the other person, not just sexually, but you give yourself to the other person. That's why it's important to marry a person who puts God, God first in their life. Otherwise, they'll take advantage of you or maybe even abuse you. They'll be demanding. They may even use this scripture against you. But the Bible teaches in this passage of scripture that marriage is not a place for either a man or a woman to stand up for their rights. Both give up their rights in marriage. Giving up your body to meet the sexual needs of your spouse. You see, if if that becomes a one-way street, in other words, if only one person are getting their needs met, needs met, needs met then someone is being taken advantage of. You see, the, the problem is most sexual relationships is that it's a one-way street. But sex is created to be a mutual dance. Where I, meet, where I meet gay's needs and gay meets my needs, and, and, and it's a dance, and, and, it, and it's not a one-way street. You see, the culture says that uh, that's the, a mutual dance is the exact opposite of what the culture teaches. The culture teaches us, what can I get and how soon can I get it? The Bible teaches that both man and woman are both to be equally exchanging, what can I give and how can I meet your needs? Can you imagine that in your relationship? What if, what if the wife walks up to the husband and says, Honey, how can I meet your needs? Or the, or the, the husband will walk in and say, Honey, how can I meet your needs? And after the woman passes out, <laughs> she gives up and says how she can do that, you know? The Bible teaches that we're supposed to give. And we're supposed to meet each other's needs. Fact is, every couple struggles to make adjustments in the sexual area. You know, it takes time and effort to adjust sexually. Studies say that it takes six years for a, man, a husband and a wife to adjust sexually to one another. And it takes time and effort. And that's if you know and practice God's design. And so this whole sexual area is something that we got to continue to work at and don't give up working on in our marriage. So I, I know some of you are thinking uh, sex is a matter of doing what comes naturally. Now, if you do what comes naturally, you're probably going to be dead wrong. You see, what you tend to do is what you like to do. And what you tend to do in that relationship, you tend to do what feels good for you and what you think your spouse wants and needs. The greatest mistake that I made in our marriage is coming into our marriage telling my wife what she needs sexually because of what I learned, the attitude about sex that I brought into marriage. I thought I was the sexpert in our marriage and that I knew better than she knew about what she needed and wanted and, and what made her feel loved and valued and accepted. But I knew best. And what I, you know, what I really did is disrespect my wife and disrespect her in a way that hurt her um, you know, at a, at a deeper level than I care to talk about much more, okay? So... So if you think that you know what your wife or your husband needs, you're probably wrong. You, you can't know unless you talk about it together because we're all created differently. And if you're like me, you know, like I said, you'll assume uh, what they like and what they don't. You must be willing to learn. You must be willing to allow your, spou your spouse to teach you. And learning to do that's a skill, it's an art, but it's also fun. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, your husbands must be careful of your wives. Your husbands must be careful of your wives, being thoughtful of their needs. Being thoughtful of their needs. That means if I don't learn what makes my wife tick, I will learn quickly what ticks my wife off. You see, here's another great insight. 
Here it is. Men, and, men, here's what I want you to know. Women are complex. Did you know that? If you've been married any amount of time, you have. If you've been married a day, you know they're complex. It takes a lifetime to figure them out, figure your wife out. It's, but it's a discovery. And we discover something new every day. So we need to learn to listen. Song of Solomon, verse six, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 12 says, You have made me eager for love. Wow. What Solomon's talking about, he's talking about that he's creating the right atmosphere. Now listen to this. He's talking about creating the right atmosphere that makes your, your spouse anticipating and willing and eager. Now wise, you know, I know wives want more, to, more from our husbands than just to be a mere physical body. They want to feel, they want to feel loved and respected and heard and valued. And so, men, there's something we need to realize that affection is the atmosphere and sex is the event. You see, God wired men and women up differently, as we said. Men are like light switches, you know what I mean? I mean, light switch, all you got to do is walk back and turn it on. I mean, it doesn't take much more, right, men? Woo, baby. Light switch is on. A woman is more like an iron. They're slow to heat up. You know what I mean? Men are like microwaves. And women are like crockpots. I mean, I had a woman just say to me as she was leaving, she said, by the way, buddy, I want you to know that some men are crockpots. And I said, <laughs> I said to her, well, maybe you need a couple cans of Sterno. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, normally, that, normally it's that way. It, but fortunately, God put the entire book of the Bible, uh, the Song of Solomon, described this sexual relationship in the Bible. I would encourage you, you know, I'm going to encourage you to do something. If you have trouble talking, here's what we are doing. I'm reading a book about passionate marriage. And you know what I'm doing? I'm talking to Gay about it. She's not reading the book. I'm reading it. And as I read it, I'm talking to her about it. And that's what that has done. It's opened up a whole new area of communication for us. And, you know, and even the Song of Solomon. I started reading it in the translation called The Voice. And I'm telling you, it describes the sexual relationship in a way that just kind of opens it up and begin to talk about that. You want to have a good devotional time together if you're married, and it might follow into some really other good things along the way? Talk about the Song of Solomon together. Husbands, if you struggle talking about sexual needs, read Song of Solomon and talk to your spouse about it. It'll open up your eyes to a whole new uh, dynamic. Um, so, anyway, let me move on to them. Um, figure out what to do here. 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Um, the Bible says that withholding sex from your spouse just because you don't need it or if you're using it as a weapon or reward, the Bible says that that's wrong, that that's sin. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says, do not cheat each other of normal sexual relationships unless you both decide to temporarily abstain to make a special time for prayer. Now, ladies, this is not another excuse. You know, your husband gets a little frisky and you say, honey, I'm in a time of prayer. Matter of fact, I'm in a 40 day of prayer and fasting. As soon as that 40 days of prayer and fasting is over, I'm going into the Daniel fast and that's 21 more days of prayer and fasting. It's not, it's not an excuse. It has to be like legitimate that you're, you know, you're praying together. But sex is never to be used as a weapon or a reward or a threat. You say, but I don't ever feel like it anymore. Or, or men, if you're not, you know, not naturally, if something like 
Was, the lady told me going out the door, if something's not God, sex is something that God gave all of us, the gift of sex, to enjoy, uh, to bring unity, and to produce kids. And if we have no sexual urge or drive, then we need to sit down and talk about that. Why is that? What's going on? And you might need to be, might be you might need to be, get some help, professional help in this area because it's natural for men and women uh, that are, that uh, to have sex uh, with one another in, in the way that God designed it is in a husband and wife. So work together. You know, um, here's what I'd say in closing. You know, there, there could be a hundred possible reasons why you're not enjoying sex the way God designed it. But the only way you'll find out is talk about that. But here's what I want to say. When you take your commitment to Jesus Christ and your marriage vows seriously enough to do your part, because we both have a part. You see, when we do that, when we say, you know what, I'm going to make a commitment to Christ and my marriage vows, and I'm going to do my part, here's what I know. The grass on your side of the fence will be so green that the grass on the other side of the fence will look brown. And there'll be no need for you to go outside your marriage in any way, whether physically or emotionally or with pornography or any other thing. You see, because when we're committed to our vows and we're committed to Christ, the grass that's on your side of the fence will be so green that the grass on the other side of the fence looks brown. In closing, I want, we want to challenge you in two ways this week, okay? Uh, one is, will you commit to throwing out what the world says about sex? Will you, in other words, will you be willing to begin to confess the stuff that you have in your mind about sex that you learn from the word, from the world, and not from the word? That stuff that's that you know that I learned as a child when I was six years old, when I was seven years old, all that trash and all the trash that I put into my mind. Will you commit to throwing all that out? about sex and began to develop a godly view of sex, a godly, healthy attitude about sex. You know, I mean, the Bible says, I'm telling you, all that stuff that I brought into my marriage was nothing more than sin because it was the stuff of the world. And what I'm asking is, are you willing to, if, if that's you, you've got all this distorted stuff about sex in your mind, if you'll just take a time this week where you'll confess, God, I have sinned. I have sinned. The Bible says that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of all of our sins. But here's what I love. I love the forgiveness too. But here's what I love, that he will purify our minds. And some of us here today need to have our minds purified. We need a clean slate. We need all that junk wiped out of our minds that we've learned from the world and we've learned from magazines and we've learned from people in our lives that have told us nothing but lies. And we need to confess and say, God, forgive me. And I'm not just talking about men. I just read an article on, on the, uh, something the other day on sex that said that 56.7% of the home, home videos that this place received was from women. And, and women, you know, if you've got a distorted view of sex from abuse or what you've learned or whatever, it's time to confess that and say, God, forgive me and give me a pure mind and talk about that. I'm telling you, when I sat down with Gay this week 
And I told her all the distorted views that I brought into our marriage, the things that I had thought. I mean, it was healthy. It was good. It was healthy and healing. And, and that's, where, that's where it all begins, is being honest with one another to say, you know what, I'm sorry, because this is what I brought into my marriage, and this is what I thought it was. This is what I learned as a child. It's just a thought. But I'm asking you to make that commitment. Will you commit to have a sit-down, face-to-face conversation with your spouse about this issue of sex in the next seven days? Just have a conversation about it. Just say, you know what, here's what I love about it, and here's what I don't like about it. And just have an honest conversation. And next week, we go come and we'll put them on the screen. And we'll have it up here. And we'll say, Joe has this. And Paul, good Lord, he has this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But have that face-to-face conversation, okay? And just say, you know, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what I like to see. Now, I realize that for many of you, this has been a very painful message. I realize that. Because sex is complicated. It's, it's frustrating for some of you. It's painful for many of you. And it's been a very disappointing thing uh, for many of you. But sexual problems will not go away. And you need to get some help and talk about them. There's plenty of help available. So if you need help, just get it. Remember, it doesn't take love to perform a sex act. But godly, loving relationship through God's design you will find the best. I will never forget, and I'm thankful for it. It scared the living daylights out of me when Gay said to me, she said, I want you and I to have a sexual life that will glorify God. And I went, but I tell you, I am so thankful that I have a wife that cared about me and our relationship enough to challenge me in that area. And it's been a journey. Uh, Believe me, it's been a journey. But it's one that I'm enjoying more and more as the journey goes on. You know what I mean? I'm in part two. We got unity. Now we're having a little fun. Anyway, okay, let's pray together. Father, thank you for a very attentive, attentive people here today, people that are, have a desire to have a godly relationship, Lord, and made a commitment to uh, be here today. Uh, and Lord, I, I just pray for every couple that's here. I pray for every individual, single, whether otherwise. Father, for all that you want to accomplish in our lives today. So here's what I want you to do. I just want you to just grab the hand of your spouse or your, your, the person you're dating. and Just grab their hand. And, and just, you know, be real mushy for a moment. But here's what I want you to do. If you're willing to confess, not to your wife necessarily or to your husband, but to God first and then maybe later. But if you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to spend some time this week. I'm going to commit to some time this week to confess that I've got this thing all wrong. And I'm going to ask God to purify my mind. Would you just squeeze the hand of your spouse just to say, you know what, I'm I'm going to work this thing out. I want God's best in our relationship. I want God's best. I want all that God has for me and us in this sexual relationship. Or maybe you you would just take the hand of your spouse or, or the person that you're with and, and you would just say, you know what, we're going to have a discussion about sex. And if you're not doing it God's way, you know what, if you're living together and you're having sex and you know that's not God's way, then you're going to move into separate bedrooms. And maybe you're saying that. I'm not saying you need to do that. I'm just saying that's what, if you want sex the way God designed it, it might mean some big changes for you. 
in that area. And some of you are going to be mad at me, and you're probably going to go down to some other church next week. But the reality is, God has the best, and we want God's best for all of you. So, Father, I pray, Lord, before I get into any more trouble, God, I just pray that you would sanctify the marriages that are here today, that you would make holy every area of our marriages, Lord. That, Father, you would use our marriage as an example of a godly marriage, a marriage that does sex your way, has relationships your way, and, Lord, honors and glorifies you. Lord, I pray for that single person here today that, that maybe have made uh, some decisions that, that they're not so proud of and in this area of sex, and they went outside of marriage, and, and Lord, they just need to confess, Lord. And I just pray that, God, that you would help them to know how much you love us all and, God, how much you care about us. And so, Lord, maybe for that single person, it needs to just confess today. Lord, I thank you that you give us another chance at things we've so messed up. Or maybe there's some husbands and wives and someone stepped outside the marriage and there needs to be healing. God, I pray for healing today. There is healing. And I pray for healing, Lord. I pray for marriages that are struggling today. Bless them, Lord, I pray. And here's what I know in closing. I know I've gone a long, long, long time. But here's what I know. You can't have a relationship that's built, uh, that, that uh, is done in God's way, in God's design. You can't have a relationship that's God's way unless you have a relationship with God. You see, God created sex, and if we're going to do sex God's way, then we need to be in a relationship with God so that we can do sex God's way. If you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ today, that's the starting point of having sex the way God designed it. So I just encourage you today, if you're here and you want to have a godly life and you want to do sex the way God designed it and you want to be fulfilled in that area of your life, then I would encourage you to right now just confess to Christ. Just let him know that you believe that he is the son of God. You can just do that. And you, and you can acknowledge that you have sinned. And you can ask God to forgive you right now. And you can invite him into your life to be your savior. So, Father, I pray. I pray right now, Father, for any that may have invited Christ in their life right now. That they can come to understand how much you love them. And how much you want to be in relationship with each of us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are a new Christian and would like to know what to do next or where to go from here, you will want to get a free Next Step packet that contains reading materials and useful resources that will point you in the right direction. For more information, please contact Salem Fields Community Church at 540-786-6212 or visit our website at salemfields.com or email us at podcast at salemfields.com.